Hello, listeners. You are about to listen to the Two Tools Baseball Podcast. This is a show for any and all baseball fans, and it is led by myself and my co-host, Travis. I'm what you would call a stats nerd, and my buddy Travis was a total stud on his D3 college team. Our goal is to try to show you how we view the game of baseball, and maybe we'll share a few laughs along the way. So grab a drink, kick back, and join us on this wonderful ride through the 2021 MLB postseason. Enjoy. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another episode of Two Tools Baseball Podcast, episode 31. Uh, we're coming at you live here Sunday night, October 24th. It's about 8.45 at night. Uh, we are about 48 hours uh, past the end of the league championship series. Everything is finally over and done with. Um, I know last time me and Alex came at you guys, uh, we were talking about game five of the NLCS and game six of the ALCS. We were giving you guys some you know, previews, some prep, what we thought, how the series were going to go, what were the results were. Um, and, you know, I think me and Alex were, of course, you know, really close on spot on with all of our picks on those series. Uh, you know, the way they kind of wrapped up, the way the teams, which teams took it, uh, everything I think went <laughs> according to plan. Of course, they didn't go to according to plan as um, one league did, but the, another, the NL did not go according to plan on our picks earlier in our postseason right. uh, preview right. um, picks. But uh, still, I mean, what a great, you know, Playoffs, what a great, you know, at least with me and Alex, we can at least say, you know, with the, with the AL, you know, Houston Astros, you know, all the way. And, and we've been picking them all the, all the way since. So um, they've continued to kind of show how strong and dominant they are, just like they did in the uh, regular season. But, uh, Alex, let's kind of get into some of our, uh, you know, recaps, what we thought of, you know, each series and each game that we saw. Um, we'll start with the ALCS, of course, because that was just uh, that was one game going back to Houston Astros up 3-2, all the momentum kind of on their side. They woke up in game three, and then they, I'm sorry, game four, and then they pretty much exploded in game five. So going back to Houston, they had all the momentum. Um, the only thing that could stop them would be Nathan Avaldi, the Red Sox best pitcher. But as we saw from that series, uh, Astros bats are just too strong to, you know, simmer down. So uh, tell me kind of what you thought about that game six. I know we didn't really watch too much of it, but we, of course, listened to on the radio, checked to a lot of the updates. But game six, what were your kind of takeaways and thoughts from that? Yeah, game six, uh, like you mentioned, it was kind of Evaldi's game to try to win and force his team into the game seven scenario. Um, I think the real story of the second half of the series was just the, um, I guess, the way the Red Sox bats kind of fell asleep. Um, and that's just kind of the way things go postseason uh, just baseball in general it's all about um you know hot streaks cold streaks and in a you know a, a series against a team that has you know very solid pitching in in the astros uh the red sox bats just went asleep at the wrong time and we saw very impressive outings from framber valdez and luis garcia in back-to-back games um two young pitchers who kind of made their presence known and i think that kind of uh that kind of confidence boost they might have received from that is probably going to be uh, impactful to how they might do in, in a World Series, um, you know, upcoming against the Atlanta Braves. But um, yeah, I think the Red Sox uh, bats just were not. Uh, that, that's the, that's the story for me because 
if their bats are that cold and they somehow win the series, they're not going to go and win the World Series with, with bats like that. Um, everyone just kind of cooled down. Kike Hernandez cooled down, of course. Schwarber stopped hitting these grand slams like he was in the first half of the series. And um, a couple of other kind of small things happened that really made things uh, go the Astros' way. I think in the first inning, a lot of people saw Bregman on first base. There's two outs. Deep fly to the warning track to uh, Kike Hernandez uh, off the bat of Jordan Alvarez. Uh, off the heel, off his wrist almost, um, allows Bregman to score because he's running on contact there. Um, so it was a double that ended up scoring a run. And uh, that almost started off the Red Sox on a bad foot in the first inning. And then uh, Jordan Alvarez just continued to just kind of slaughter uh, uh, Red Sox pitching. Um, I saw tons of Red Sox fans on Twitter saying, why are we still pitching to this guy? There was a situation where he was on, uh, he was up, I think, to lead off an inning with no outs, no one on base, and he like ripped a triple or something like that. It's like this is just the kind of scenario where you pitch around this kind of guy when he's that hot. I think he was batting around 500 for the series um, coming into the game, and he obviously, I think, had a four, three or four hit game um, in the game six. So uh, a super hot bat in him, and I'm sure he's going to play a big role um, in the World Series as he was the championship series MVP. But Travis, I guess what's your main takeaways from the last game of that, uh, that ALCS? Yeah. Um, you know, with the whole entire series, I mean, just, it's, it's a really unique series when I look at it because you just see how these tides and these, you know, the trends have really turned Red Sox bats just looked unstoppable and their pitching looked like it was going to be decent enough to really help them win ball games. Um, you know, after game two, after game three, a lot of people were, I mean, they were writing off these Astros, and, and, and they just said their pitching cannot hang in it. Um, I go back to even game four. You know, Red Sox jump on Granky early, a two-run bomb by Bogarts. And then after that, it is just zeros the halt, whole entire halt, game. Halted to a, st- a stop, Christian yeah. Javier comes in, has a great outing in relief. So does uh, Kendall Graveman, a couple other of the Astros pitchers. They are they pretty much shut down the Red Sox after that. No more runs. And, of course, we saw the Altuve homer in the eighth and then the ninth inning where that just exploded. And that pretty much woke up the Astros' bats for the rest of the series. Uh, going into game five, great, great outing from Framber Valdez, uh, only allowing uh, you know the Red Sox to score one run while their Astros' offense scores nine. Um, easy win right there. And then, of course, going into game six of the series Luis Garcia a huge huge comeback game for him Um, I think we saw him struggle in the ALDS against the White Sox and also in the first game against uh, the Boston Red Sox that was the two grand slam game where it was you know eight nothing I think in the first inning of game two and you're just like oh my god I mean the Red Sox offense is for real so huge huge comeback outings from Framber and also Luis Garcia to really pick up this or this Astros uh, pitching staff, and then of course the Astros offense will do the rest. If you can let, if you can give up one run to your opponent, I guarantee the Astros are going to win ninety nine of hundred games, if not a hundred of those hundred games. They can score two runs in a game. I guarantee it. This offense is the best in baseball, and so far it's been uh, probably the best in the postseason that we've seen. We've seen the A, of course. Um, really not be too fond of the pitching staffs. It's really all about the hitting. Right. Um, Stack batting orders. Where exactly is the other league, the NL, has been a little bit different, where you seem to have these tight, close, small, uh, marginal lead games um, and not a lot of runs scored. But uh, game five, of course, I'm sorry, game six, um, like I said, Luis Garcia, huge, huge game. And then, of course, the, you know, the finishing touches by Kyle Tucker, you know, a huge, I think it was three-run homer 
um, oppo into the Crawford boxes. Pretty much and called game, yeah. Exactly. And of course, that Astros bullpen has been very, very deadly. That's the one thing that's actually been very consistent of this postseason is the Astros bullpen. Very, very good. Um, if it's that, if it's Stanek, if it's Kendall, um, Kendall Graveman, if it's Presley, if it's a couple other guys too, um, very consistent and has been very, very good facing their opponents. So, um, I, well, I, one thing I want to add on the Luis Garcia, you know, you gave a good highlight on how good his start was. People kept talking about it online. His, uh, velocity was like up a tick, hmm. which is, uh, People, some people are saying it's you know kind of uncommon. Some people are kind of saying Rosenberg and the, sunscreen. Or some people are just saying the the <laughs> adrenaline from a rookie to be in that kind of a big game. You know, I think he was up about three miles per hour on average on his fastballs, which is just like something you really don't see. And you're almost thinking, was he holding back in the regular season, or is this just kind of a, um, I guess just kind of a special adrenaline rush like in the zone kind of performance by him? And it seems like it really paid off because the Red Sox. Um, couldn't really get anything going off him. Couldn't get much momentum at all. I think he gave up a one hitter, honestly. But by the time they, they pulled him, I think he allowed one base hit. So, um, super impressive by him. They're gonna want him to do something very similar in the World Series for the Astros to try to get the win. Um, but anything else in the ALCS, Travis? Uh, nothing else. It's crazy, you know. Going back to that last game, you know, and also the last two games, the you know the ALCS MVP Jordan Alvarez. You know how incredibly hot he was that last game. Four for four, two doubles, a single, and a triple. Um, pretty crazy that almost in back-to-back days, you have an NLCS guy almost get a triple or a cycle, and then you have an ALCS guy um, almost try and get a triple. They're both, of course, needing that one last X-Race hit. Rosario, of course, needing the triple. Or, I'm sorry, the, the, the double. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Alvarez needing the home run. But um, we've seen I mean, we've seen some offensive performances in this postseason that are just, you know, it's it's really unique to see this kind of stuff right now all in the same, you know, on the same postseason, you know, months. So um, we're actually, I, I, I'm, I, I'm very, very grateful to, you know, with this postseason, uh, see the performances that we've seen. Because I mean, it, I mean, starting off with the with the with the Giancarlo Stanton, you know, wild card game, you know, almost having three home runs in that, uh, and then of course going all the way down to Jordan Alvarez uh, in Game Six. Uh, but all in all, you know, Astros were the superior team. I think if you ask most people in the, you know, in the poll of MLB, you know, most people that actually get the game, they will say the Astros are definitely the best team in the American League. Um, Rays, of course, had the best record, but I think if we saw a faceoff between the Rays and the Astros, a lot of people would swing Astros. They know how good that offense is, and they know how good the pitching staff can be if they're put to the test and if they're put pushed to almost, you know, the pressure of elimination as they were in, uh, in you know, Game Four. Um, if not coming back for that. So, um, yeah, I mean, special kind of offense uh, from these from these Astros. I mean, it, it's like that every single year. I mean, they just somehow it, find it's, it's what they do. They ways to do yeah, they, they, magical things. They, yeah. they, they lose, you know, Garrett Cole. They lose Verlander to injury. Um, they lose more in a couple seasons back. They lose McCullers this year uh, in this postseason to injury after his outing against the White Sox, still managed to just put up enough runs and have a good enough pitching to um, make it to a third World Series in five years. So uh, super yeah, super impressive by them. A bit of a mini dynasty they have going. Uh, it's going to be a big year for them because they're going to have a few free agents uh, probably leaving the team. Zach Greinke, Justin Verlander. Um, of course, Carlos Correa is going to be a big free agent piece for a lot of teams to target. But Travis, uh, we can probably switch over to the NLCS now. There has been two games, uh, games five and six that have happened since we last recorded. Um, I believe when we left off, 
the mindset was we'd see Scherzer, Bueller, and a bullpen game, right? Uh, we didn't really know the order. It wasn't announced, but we kind of knew that that's the way things were heading. Um, it turns out, to our surprise, I guess, the bullpen game was coming first. And we both kind of thought Scherzer would go game f- uh, game five. And we thought that because it was must win, of course. But it seems like the main reason he didn't pitch in game five nor game six was because he just had a dead arm. He was just worked um, just incredibly hard by uh, being pushed to the limit against the Giants. Uh, and then as well as the first part of the series, he gave it what he had. But um, come out with a wild card game and just the late season push to try to get the best record in their division, um, it ended up just wearing him out. It seemed like all signs were pointing to him being available for a Game 7 if it got there. I guess he had a good workout bef- uh, before Game 6. But um, yeah, the Dodgers, because of that, Walker Bueller just was not able to get the job done. Um, not a terrible outing, but you know, allowing four runs against a hot team. Um, the Dodgers' bats just weren't able to make up for it. So, Travis, I guess, what are your impressions on Game 5 and 6 um, from what we saw this last weekend? Yeah, and I'll call myself out too. I know I told everyone that the game, you know, the series was ending in five. Uh, ended up going six. Yeah. Uh, I think and, I, I think I said six by the way, Travis. Yeah, I think you did too. Yeah, and and I uh, and I was, I, I guess I kind of really upset this uh, Dodgers offense because they went out and pretty much destroyed the ball. Um, AJ Pollock, Chris Taylor, those are the two names you have to know from that night. Uh, Chris Taylor, three home runs. AJ Pollock, two home runs. Um, but you know, starting off that game, Joe Kelly's getting the ball. You know, I think Dodger fans are a little bit, you know, what's going on? You know, why isn't Scherzer starting the game? We need a starter. Stop trying to be cute, you know, with these with these bullpen games. You know, it was okay with the Giants because it was game five, last game of the series. But it's game, it's game five here in a seven-game series, and we have to win three more. And I think the last thing you want to get maybe is your bullpen just super, super tired. And let's say, you know, you win game five. Then you go into game six and possibly game seven. And again, your bullpen, you know, I know bullpen arms are a little bit different. Some guys can throw one inning. Some guys can throw, you know, three innings and be fine. Um, but, you know, I think that not seeing Scherzer, that was, of course, or, or even Bueller, that was, of course, the first kind of concern um, for me. And I, I was just thinking, you know, okay, you know, kind of hope for the best. If, if they can win this game, that'd be huge because then they'd have game six and seven, their top line starters lined up. So almost picture this as their game seven. Um, if they can get through this, then, of course, I think that they're in a lot better, you know, more comfortable setting than if they, you know, of course, were to go, you know, Scherzer and lose this game or, or something like that. But, um, you know, Kelly started off really rocky. You know, Freeman two-run homer in the first. It really felt like, okay, this is this night's going to get over pretty fast. Braves are going to get this one very easily. Um, but then, of course, the bullpen for the Dodgers. I mean, I, th- I will say I give credit to Dave Roberts, you know, bringing in Phillips, Vessia, Gratterall, Trinan, Knable, and then Jansen to finish it off. He really just kind of worked his way through that game. And of course, it's very easy when your offense is doing, you know, incredible things and you get uh, two base hits from Tio. Right. Pools. Right. Um, you know, big, of course, two hits from him, which is a big night for him. Um, that's, that's asking for a lot there. But of course, you get, you know, nine total bases from AJ Pollock, 13 total bases from Chris Taylor, um, record nights. From those guys and actually also a good game from Trey Turner as well was able to be three for four that game so you really had your offense finally wake up in that series and of course that's what happens when you score you know 11 runs and you know it didn't really feel like okay the momentum is 100% shifting because we're going back to Atlanta so right. Atlanta will, will have of course Ian Anderson and if, go, and if game seven they will have Charlie Morton and then of course the news was Scherzer 
then you kind of felt like, uh-oh, what, what's what's this mean? Is, is there going to have to be a bullpen game or a Urias game, game seven? Um, but I will say, Travis, between that time of that great offensive performance by the Dodgers up until that Scherzer news, there was a lot of, I think, confidence and like belief in the Dodgers fan base and like even in just the media like saying this team um, – you know, we counted them out last year in a 3-1 deficit. Can't do it this year. And I think you and I both were not really counting them out. We did both knew that game six and seven, still the Braves had to be on their game or else, it, you know, the Dodgers could just run away with it if their guys got hot, which game five was kind of telling us that. But um, like you said, the Max Scherzer news comes out. He's looking like he won't be able to pitch game six. So there was a, a couple hours where we weren't sure, is it going to be a Walker Bueller start on a short rest? Is it going to be another bullpen game where they almost have to stick with um, like a uh, Gonsolin kind of, you know, three inning outing with some bullpen behind him? Um, I think I even heard David Price's name in the mix. They activated him when Joe Kelly went onto the injured list. So they're just kind of cycling names through. It seemed like a really bad spot to be in. All of a sudden they say Walker Buehler will be the starter. And for most Dodger fans, Walker Buehler has almost been the guy they want in these big games. He's kind of considered a big game pitcher. But, you know, it just was not his outing at all. I think he gave up four runs in four innings, all earned. A big home run to Rosario obviously really swung the tide. But, um, yeah, I think Bueller, uh, hats off whenever, you know, he, he, he is very impressive in big games a good amount of the time. But I think he's really kind of shown his color sometimes where maybe it's just not really, I don't know. I, I don't think the situation is rattling him. I just think it's more of a performance thing. I honestly do think that he was uh, – a player who's, I don't know if he's come out and said it, but I think the whole sticky substance thing, I think has had a bit of an impact on his numbers, his spin rate kind of stuff. Cause he was so dominant with his, uh, swing and miss stuff. Like even going back to last postseason, Um, and I feel like it kind of slipped off a little bit this season, but, um, obviously he still was a site on candidate. So the talent is, is off the charts, but against a good offense, like the Braves who have been hot pretty much the whole postseason. Um, he did not have the stuff uh, on on Saturday night. So, Travis, what else did you observe from that game six? Yeah, um, good. You know, good take on Bueller. Um, I thought, you know, kind of from the start, you had uh, you had a Rosario leadoff single, and then you know, you're at home or the Braves are at home. You know, Dodger fans are like, okay, you know, Rosario is their hottest hitter. He gets on base. Um, uh, you know, kind of like, oh crap, Freeman's coming up. Freeman ends up grounding into double play, and then you're kind of like, okay, inning should be over now. Albies is up. Albies hits a wall banger double and then the same thing with riley a wall banger double um ground, ground double i believe ground yeah. double ground double and then it's one nothing and you're kind of you know you're almost blessed that freeman didn't get on and then of course this could have been a monster first inning but still you're kind of like okay bueller we need to settle this down you know get things under control and he did for you know the next three or three or so innings until um he you know let some walks get to him and then of course eddie rosario with the big three-run blast that put things up Four nothing for the I'm sorry, uh, four one in the uh, in the fourth inning for the Braves, uh, and you know really made things look great. You know the Braves bullpen has been very good, um, you know down the stretch in the postseason. Um, some of their big name guys, Matzik and Minter, have been spectacular. Uh, Minter came in after Ian Anderson and um, did you know very fine two innings and four strikeouts in those two innings, and then you had Luke Jackson come in. I think he was coming coming in with hopefully some redemption. That game three is still a sour taste in his mouth. The three-run homer from Bellinger. He comes in and... Meltdown. Meltdown <laughs> happens. And I think Dodger fans are saying, okay, here it is. You have runners at second and third 
it is a two-run ball game. Zero outs. Zero outs. And you got Tio, you got Sousa, and you got Betts coming up. You should be able to get one, if not all, of them in. And I just love it. I love they bring in the lefty Matzik. It's not the matchup you want, a lefty-righty matchup, but Matzik just completely put the entire organization, put the entire 22 years of the Braves, you know, World Series drought on his back and a three-strikeout inning, getting Pujols, getting Sousa, and then getting Betts. Um, watching that moment was pretty... You know, you, you, you get happy about big hits, big home runs, but watching that, I mean, you could probably just tell that stadium was going ballistic with, you know, the excitement. And then, of course, comes back next inning. You know, you think, okay, maybe, you know, he has to face Seager, but then, of course, he's going to face Trey Turner, and he's going to face um, Will Smith. And maybe they'll bring in a righty after that. Strikes out Seager, so four straight strikeouts. And then, of course, gets Turner and gets uh, Will Smith to both ground out to the left side. And then, of course, bring in Will Smith, uh, the closer for the Braves. And, you know, like all postseason, a nice one-inning, clean inning um, to secure the pennant for the Braves. Yeah, awesome breakdown on Matzik. He obviously, he was almost a storyline. Everything I saw on Twitter after the game was all just Matzik buzz and, and hype because what he did was uh, super, it was just super impressive. The The uh, Braves went with their strikeout guy and that's he delivered um, in a really big way because, Travis, ground ball to the infield there, good chance a run scores, right? Definitely. Um, they have zero outs, so... You can almost afford giving up two outs for two runs if you get the right situation, if you're the Dodgers at the plate. So um, no, going up there knowing you have to strike out Pujols, or at least you really want to, you, you really want to strike out uh, Souza, um, got the job done, was just super impressive. And then, of course, Mookie Betts, um, probably one of the best situational players at the playoffs. Um, he just gets kind of these clutch hits, stolen bases. Um, he gets driven in a lot because he's got a great team behind him. But Mookie Betts up there with two outs, of course, swung in. Uh, I think he felt tipped it, but just a swing and a miss. Uh, just a big, a big punch out. And I think that honestly, at that moment, it was almost like that's all she wrote because uh, I think Dodger fans knew like this was a window. We had second and third, no outs. Um, just a brutal way for Dodger fans to, I guess, have that opportunity snatched from them. But that's there's absolute hats off to uh, to Matzik, like we said, just. Um, electric performance and all postseason he's been very hot i did see a, 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 some numbers posted by mlb network he in runners and scoring positions scenarios in the playoffs uh so far batters are oh for 15 against him no hits allowed with runners in scoring position all postseason and that's been with 15 plate appearances so um he has just risen to the occasion time and time again and um it's almost like this this braves bullpen charis i think before the season started I was kind of down on the Braves bullpen because they were so good in the 2020 short season. I said there has to be some regression. I think AJ Minter had an ERA like below one in 2020. I think Matzik was like in the high ones range or something. Um, guys like Melanson had crazy good 2020s. A bunch of other guys in their bullpen did as well. Um, the submarine pitcher, O'Day, he, uh, he had a great ERA in, in 2020. I was like, all these guys, there's no way they're all like this all-star level closer type guys and they have like five of them there's no way they have to get a little bit worse and some of these guys did have worse 2021s but in the postseason Matzik and Minter like you said have almost gotten back to that old form they are hot again at the right time for the Braves to try to make a big move here as they enter the World Series 
Yeah, and I, I mean, yeah, like like you said it, you said it best. The bullpen was, of course, going to be you know what's going to lead them to the promised land. What's going to lead them to the pennant, and they truly delivered in all that stuff. Um, I mean, Minter Matzik, those Eminem boys. I mean, I remember them from even last year, and they were very very clutch down the stretch for the Atlanta Braves, and still again Minter and Matzik um, coming in big, and then of course giving Will Smith a nice clean inning to finish the game off. Um, and he did his job well. I think he's got about four saves in this postseason and three wins. So um, pretty crazy to have a, a closer have three wins and three saves all in one postseason still. Um, but, you know, I mean, hats off to the to the Dodgers. I mean, they are a strong team. Um, you know, I know I know a lot of people are going to say we had a lot of injuries. We had a lot a, of we have, you know, we had people like Bauer on, you know, uh, legal problems and all that stuff. Um, but, you know, I saw something today on Twitter and, you know, it was funny because, you know, people were definitely, you know, saying that, you know, the, the injuries are the reason why we can't win. Um, you know, if we are fully healthy, we would be a way different team. But you even look at this this Atlanta Braves team, um, you know, Ozuna, he's kind of similar to Bauer, dealing with legal issues. Right. You look at Muncie, you know, out with an injury. You look at Acuna, out with an injury. Two of the biggest bats, the MVP bats of the team were out um for, you know, for Acuna being out a significant amount of time, only Muncie, you know, pretty much losing him the last day of the season, um, but both huge bats to miss the playoffs. Both teams really struggled with, um, you know, their injuries. I mean, we still have not seen, uh, you know, a healthy Mike Soroka for the Atlanta right. Braves. Arguably, one of their best starting pitchers for, you know, one and a half seasons. I and mean, we have not seen him for a while. That's kind of comparable to Kershaw. Two big horse dogs out for the postseason. So definitely two teams limping when it comes to, uh, you know, their injury level list. And Braves, of course, just kind of, you know, were, were just doing what they had and playing with who they had, and they definitely were putting themselves in the best position. Of course, huge, huge performances by Austin Riley, Eddie Rosario, Freddie Freeman. Those guys, of course, came up big, especially Eddie Rosario. Definitely uh, probably one of the best trade line acquisitions um we might see this century, I would say, with the what what he's been doing this postseason. I mean, I, I saw that stat that said 14 hits in the National League Championship Series. 14 hits, and it, it didn't even go seven games. It went six games. Right. So you're averaging over two hits a game. Yeah. Um, I think he had over a 500 batting average for the series. I mean, just kind of just, you, you really can't call that one out and plan for that one. That just has to happen with special players to have special postseasons. So Eddie Rosario was that guy. He almost filled in for Acuna. And he was significantly better than Ronald Acuna. I don't think Ronald Acuna is doing that good as Eddie Rosario is doing. Um, but yeah, I mean, an outstanding, outstanding performance by the Atlanta Braves. A good performance from the Dodgers. Um, and I guess you know, my last thing is you know, that's why you got to play 162 games. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I, I know, I know, Travis is loving that aspect of it. Um, a lot of you know people who are, I guess, critical of the Dodgers 60 game World Series win. It's almost like this is like this is like their justification, right? This is like the evidence that sometimes uh, good teams uh, put them in 162 and things are going to break down. That's just the way things go. Um, injuries do happen. And I like the injury comps you brought up. It even, it even kind of continues with the fact that Justin Turner injured about halfway through the series. You can point to Jorge Soler who missed about half the series true, on yeah. uh, COVID um, protocols, had to miss like three or four games of the series. So... Uh, yeah, both teams obviously brittle with injuries. The Braves just were able to navigate it a lot better. They had, you know, about the second half of the season almost to just kind of say, okay, 
We can add Rosario. We can add Jock Peterson. Let's get Duval back in here. Let's get Soler. They really just made, you know, people have been talking about it enough, but just to hammer it home, you added four outfielders who all kind of work together to kind of complete like a, a great platooning outfield. The defense wasn't always there, which is kind of funny that, you know, you have Duval playing center fielder. Usually he plays, you know, corner outfield and then you have Jock and uh, Rosario as usually you're starting right and left fielders, not really defensively minded outfielders exactly. at all, mm-hmm. but the Bastards made up for it. Um, you know, pretty much every single game, the bats made up for any sort of defense out there. And yeah, Travis, I think one of my biggest takeaways from the series is uh, I, I still maintain that this Dodgers team, uh, obviously there's tons of you know, injuries and stuff, but even just those teams they're they putting out there, the healthy guys, Mookie Betts, Trey Turner, Will Smith catching, um, still had Max Scherzer and Walker Buehler, even though Scherzer was, was definitely worked. Um, one of the most talented teams of the last several seasons, for sure. Just, you know, names on the roster sheet, super and super impressive. But it just kind of comes down to this thing we see every postseason. The hot teams will come through, and that is the way it goes. Um, the more talent you have, the better chance you have to get hot because you have more good players. But the Braves just felt kind of unstoppable. Um I, I saw this take, Travis. Let me let me know. I guess what you think of it. But some people are some people uh, that were Dodger fans. I think were saying on Twitter like, "Got to give the hats off." The Braves were just like the better team, and I don't feel like that's the right way to put it because I don't think the Braves were the better team. They just kind of played better in yeah. a few games of the series because in Game Five, the Dodgers were playing way better. They scored eleven exactly. runs or whatever it was. Exactly. But but uh, it really does come down to um, who is playing better for a six game stretch. And for those six games, the Braves felt like even though they were they had injuries, they felt like they had confidence. Um, they rose to the occasion, and the Dodgers just it felt like it wasn't in the cards for them this season. Um, things kind of broke down. They got worked, you know. Obviously, the wild card game, five games in the division series, and then came uh, and and were not able to take games in Atlanta. So that's what it came down to in my yeah, mind. Yeah, and, and honestly, one hundred percent agree. Braves just played better baseball, and that's what it comes down to. You could have, you know, a team full of all-stars, but if you can't play good baseball altogether, you could lose to a team that's mediocre or a team that has 88 wins like the Atlanta Braves. Um, If I told you, you know, if I asked you which lineup is better, Dodgers or Braves, I think we'd both agree the Dodgers. Yeah. And I think if you said who has a better pitching rotation, Dodgers or Braves, I think we'd both say the Dodgers. Yeah. And if you said who has a better uh, bullpen, we'd say the Dodgers. Yeah. Uh, They have... You know, all aspects of the lineup, of the roster, they and are better I, and, and, on paper. And, Charles, I would also say that the Dodgers are probably better coached. Yeah. I would also mm-hmm. say that they are just more analytically inclined. They just, you know, they're great at defensive shifting. They're just a very smart organization. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like we keep saying, it came down to these six games, who's going to play better, who's going to come up in the bigger moments. And it was the Braves almost every single time this series. 100% agree. And I, I totally see that. And, you know, it's, it's funny. I mean, you literally have a 106-win team against an 88-win team. And, I mean, honestly, looking at that, that could have been even a wild-card series right there because you had the team with the worst, the, the least amount of wins in all of baseball, of, of all every playoff team. Yeah. Um, I mean, I shared something with you today. Blue Jays and Mariners, they didn't even make the playoffs, and they had more wins than the Atlanta Braves. That's right, And yeah. right now, the Atlanta Braves are going to the World Series. Um, just crazy kind of how baseball works. I know a lot of folks probably are a little bit... Uh, you know, they, they want to see some things change, but just, you know, it, it kind of gives a lot of credit to, you know, you could still have the worst, you know, 
winning percentage in the playoffs, but you can still be a very, very dangerous team. You still have to play nine innings. You still have to go out there with your team and compete because a team like the Atlanta Braves will come at you. And of course, we saw that in, you know, the Brewers series and we saw that in the Dodgers series. So, um, you know, I'm glad we kind of had our take right there with the NLCS. I, I, I was really, you know, really enjoyed the NLCS. I, I thought, um, you know, I mean, I thought both teams did, did you know, spectacular jobs. Of course, I think the, the Braves uh, really kind of showing, you know, we have the pitching staff that's more uh, prepared for the series and the hitters that are more prepared for the series. And it showed, um, I think, really the Dodgers, you know, game that eighth inning of game three and game five are the only games that I thought the Dodgers really okay, this team is really good. You know, right. other than that, the they, Dodgers... We remembered remember who they actually are. Exactly. But then we went. they went back to postseason Dodgers where they were just kind of, look like they're out of gas. Exactly, exactly. So uh, Dodgers are taking their, um, you know, going to be joining the Angels on the couches. Uh, and uh, we're going to be watching the Astros and the Braves take, you know, the World Series this year. But really interesting to look at, too. You know, you look at this, you know, right now this offseason. I know the Braves aren't done yet. But, you know, Dodgers and Braves... Ha- a lot of big names on the free agent market. I mean, you already yep. look at, you know, Jock Peterson and Eddie Rosario, and then you look at the infield, Freddie Freeman, the MVP of 2020. Then you go to the Dodgers side, Kenley Jansen, Kershaw. I guess, Ma- you, I guess you could say Pujols. Max uh, Scherzer. <laughs> Max Scherzer. I think Joe Kelly. Like, there's just a lot of names. Uh, Corey Seager, and then, of course. And then uh, uh, Chris Taylor. Chris like, Taylor, the, the, right. the names really right. go on. Right. We're talking about all-star. Several all-stars on the Dodgers are hitting free agency. And, you know, I, I saw some quotes you know, on Twitter, too, that, you know, Chris Taylor is definitely deserving of a big payday. You know, he, A big payday, and he could be a leadoff hitter, a two-hole hitter. Uh, every day, anywhere. 155 yeah. games played on any team in MLB. On Dodgers, he is a utility guy. Exactly. Just the way... They're built. They're just built with so much depth, and you know he may want to stay because I almost every Dodger player I hear when they talk about the team, they love it. I did see a quote from I believe it was Bueller. I think he said, you know, he'd love for everyone to be back. He said if we run this back, he knows that they could be really special again. But he just says that's probably not the situation that we're in because he knows some of these guys deserve a payday. Seager is a guy who deserves a payday. Like we also said, Chris Taylor deserves a payday. Jansen will probably want to get some money. Dodgers might be looking elsewhere for the closer role, um, a cheaper option perhaps. But, you know, um, yeah, li- like you said, essentially both teams, um, big free agents come down the block. Yeah, so uh, interesting to watch in that towards this offseason once the World Series is over. But um, it's kind of crazy with the Dodgers how many huge names are on the market this offseason um, and which teams are going to really make strong pushes for those guys. But, um, but yeah, Alex, let's now turn to the preview part of the, you know, of the episode, we have the Atlanta Braves going to Houston to play the Houston Astros. The mini, almost, it's kind of funny because you look at the '90s, the Braves were the dynasty of the '90s, and you look at right now of the last five years, it's been the Astros. The Astros have been the dynasty, um, and it's it's kind of funny these these little dynasties going off. Um, and I know when we saw the Astros beat the White Sox in the division series, the Astros tied the '70s. A's as five straight years going to the league championship series. Yep. And the first place team was those 90s Braves. Eight straight years of going to the league championship series. So really interesting to have these two historical dynasties going at it in this postseason. I know a lot of people didn't really think and maybe want this World Series. I know, of course, a lot of people are saying Dodgers, Astros, Dodgers, you know, Oh, it would have been, been hype for sure. But. It would have been a lot of hype. But honestly, I'm very excited with this World Series. 
both are the losers of the league championship series from 2020. So kind of an interesting way to see these teams get re, you know, rebound and have great strong pushes in the following year and to finally get themselves over the hump and into the World Series. So um, kind of turning to the, to the series now, Alex, um, I kind of want to go over, you know, where we see each position and their edges. I kind of wrote down some names right here. Okay. I want to see, you know, who you think has the edge at each position. So we'll kind of start with the catcher role. Uh, you know, Houston Astros, Martin Maldonado, Atlanta, Travis Darno. What do you think? Which catcher, of course, has the edge? I guess is the complete player. I mean, you could look at defensively, offensively, but in a complete package, which catcher, of course, has the edge? Sure, yeah. So uh, it's an interesting comparison because Maldonado has just been so cold offensively pretty much all playoffs. And his backup, Travis, Jason Castro, who we're super familiar with, yep. was an angel. But just a lefty catcher who's just a good platoon option with lots of good righty catchers. Um, so I think just in that head-to-head, Based on what's happening this postseason, it has to be Darno. But I think the better catcher is Martin Maldonado. I think defensively, he's just really good. I don't think I think there's a reason they play him every single game. He's not, you know, really they're not really platooning him. They never really start Castro in his place. It's pretty much Maldonado every game, and that's because the value he has defensively. Um, I think we end up platooning him with Castro in big moments. Castro has a home run and a uh, go-ahead single in late innings um, as a pinch hitter for Maldonado. So that's why I think there's a lot of value in that kind of backup option. But just, I guess, between those two guys, Darno's been hotter. But I think I like the Astros catching overall a bit better. Okay. If that makes sense. I I guess, you know, Maldonado has a big, you know, impact on me too because they totally synced up that thunderstruck and him pounding his chest after that strike him out, throw him out. That was a big moment, obviously. in, In game six. But I like what you said. I definitely think Maldonado is a stronger defensive presence. And, of course, Darno... Um, slightly better on the hitting presence. I actually looked at the numbers today, and I, I Maldonado was actually hitting zero six nine. He he he's a really one hundred. A average. really poor postseason with the bat. Exactly. I think his OPS was like a two four four. Really right. really poor on that. Where at least Darno had I think a two sixteen average. Um, not none no home runs. One RBI. Um, I favored Darno in this matchup just because of the offense. I know Ma- Martin Maldonado has been very very cold with the bat. Darno has had a couple clutch hits. I think he had a big hit in game two um, that extended the inning that got them an RBI. But um, I have Darno in that series and that matchup. So um, for the catching position, for first base, Alex, Yuri Gurriel, Freddie Freeman. Um, I think it could be an easy pick, but I think it also you could take a deeper dive and also say it could be a very equal pick for both positions. Who do you got for that? Sure, yeah. I have to go with Freeman just based on... I guess everything, how, just how important he is to the Braves. Um, the bat in the lineup is he just he just the, obviously you have Rosario and Jock Peterson, but like he's just been the big lefty presence that they have had in that two or three spot just every single game. And so I think for that reason I'm going Freeman, but Gurriel is obviously the batting champion. He has come up in lots of big moments. There's a reason why you know he has been sticking with this Astros team. They they I believe they signed them. Uh, this like one year deal coming into the season, so they obviously wanted to keep him around. Um, there's a reason why you know he's been such a big part of this team, but I think Freeman is just a step above uh, Yuli Gurriel. Um, and despite all the situational uh, great moments we've seen from Gurriel, Freeman I think is someone who, in my mind, is kind of an easy pick. I just think he has been so good, um, just in all ways, really. Mm-hmm. And I completely agree with you. Ever since the home run off Hater. Um, that was just a spectacular moment, sending his team to the championship series. 
went really cold in the first two home games against the Dodgers. I think he was like 0 for 7, 0 for 8, a ton of strikeouts. Then, of course, in game three, really woke up the bat, really woke up all of his hitting and has been just kind of on a tear ever since. So Freeman, of course, has the position edge right there. Um, and, you know, now moving into the middle infield, we have Altuve Correa, pretty much the... I mean, I would even go so far for our for this era right now. It is almost like the Pippin Jordan of this era. I, I just think that middle infield is so unique and so damn good. Um, they have that middle infield for Houston against Albie's Dansby middle infield for the Atlanta Braves. I think it's a pretty easy pick, but of course, who do you have the edge on that one? Yeah, the Astros for sure have the edge in my mind. Um, I think both positions. I I would take Altuve over over Ozzy who Ozzy. Almost kind of similar players, the way they kind of bring power and speed to the table. Both like to steal bags. Um, but I just think the way that uh, Altuve has been playing, he his average wasn't so good in the championship series, but he had two big homers in, in big moments. And then um, I just think everything he did in the, in the division series against the White Sox, as well as everything he's done in the past postseasons, is so valuable. I think he's probably one of the most valuable players you could pick if you're just drafting a playoff team because the potential he has to go off in a series is so high. And then, of course, Correa, he has been kind of the man this year almost for them. Uh, led all baseball players besides Shohei Otani. Led all position players, I'll say, um, in uh, baseball reference war, um, which is just so funny looking at that batting lineup, Travis. He's batting fifth for them. He leads <laughs> He leads baseball in war. Exactly. Their sixth hitter is Tucker, who leads all postseason players in WRC+. And then seventh hole, you have the batting champion. That goes to show you how good the lineup, the lineup is. But, but to, to go back on the point, Second uh, base and shortstop. I'm definitely going Astros. 100. I, I know I, I meant. I, I know I said the Jordan and Pippen. I basically what I meant on that is basically just they are postseason clutch players. We saw Tuve already the third all time in home runs in the postseason. Um, I mean, just incredible from that guy. Uh, I 100 agree with you. Correa and Altuve are the middle infield for this series. Um, now, of course, translating to the hot corner, Austin Riley, Alex Bregman, two. Young guys, and of course, I think one guy, of course, really rising to the occasion this postseason. Um, and also, and then looking at Bregman, guy who's already been in this spot in the postseason before, who do you have at that position edge right now in this series? So yeah, going into the series, um, I would lean Riley just because of what he's done in the past couple series. Big moments, he gets the big hits against the Dodgers. Off of Urias, he had a really big you know, go-ahead hit. And then uh, just just uh, just uh, was it yeah Saturday inning uh, first inning drove in Albies for the first run of the game, set the tone in the first inning, has been just super important for them this series. I do still think Bregman um, has a lot to offer. I think especially he really benefits playing in Houston. Having four home games in Houston, I think will help. Just a right-handed batter who loves pulling the ball to you know kind of line drives off the Crawford box into the Crawford box for a home run. I think um, he really benefits from the stadium. So I could easily, easily see Bregman have a better series. I also think Bregman is very solid defensively. Um, but yeah, I think right now, right now, right now, in terms of momentum and where they're at, Riley is probably the better pick. But um, for me, it's almost like a wash. I think Bregman uh, in a series has potential to be uh, better than Riley for sure. It's just going to come down to, you know, situational and uh, who's hot at the right time. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I, I have Riley on that one just by, again, what you said. This is, What he's been doing the past two series, uh, I feel like it's just a big moment. He comes up and he hits the ball to the wall, you know, hits the ball to the warning track, extra base hit machine. 
um, I think through this per you know for, for this playoffs you know so far this this year. So Austin Riley for me has to be the guy. Bregman, of course, like you said, could have a really big series, um, especially playing in Houston four games. Uh, we just I, I have not seen too much yet of huge games from Bregman yet this playoffs. That's why I'm going to lean more towards Austin Riley right now with the position edge. Um, I think right now you know we look at uh, you know three Atlanta Braves and two Houston Astros in our infield right now, but. Kind of transitioning to the outfield, Alex. Outfield. We have the Astros. We have Brantley. We have McCormick. And we have Tucker for the Astros. A very solid outfield. But for the Braves, surprisingly, we have a lot of underrated guys who have been doing spectacular this postseason. Eddie Rosario, Adam Duvall, and then Jock Peterson. Also with the sub of Jorge Soler possibly getting some outfield time too. We, I, um, I think a good way to do this is maybe you can combine Soler and then uh, Alvarez as like very your DH yeah. is pretty much. Yeah, yeah. I, I, depending on I guess who really has the better you know defensive glove out there, which I think Jock definitely has a better defensive glove than Jorge Soler. But looking at the outfield of Peterson, Duvall, and Eddie Rosario compared to that Houston outfield, who do you have on that edge? I know it's a very it, it can be very close on that one, but. Those two teams right there, your edge in your opinion uh, for those two. Yeah, so I think it's similar to what I said about um, third base is that right now it has to go to the advantage to the Braves because of the momentum and how good they've been in big spots. Jock Peterson has multiple go-ahead home runs so far. Rosario has been Rosario has been probably the MVP of the postseason if you had to pick just one guy right now. 1.14 OPS. Wow. 1400 OPS this play the playoffs right now. It's just kind of incredible. Yes, he's obviously on, on, on another planet right now. I think actually that's what Bueller said. He said Rosario is kind of on another, another planet, so that's why he uh, was okay with giving up the bomb, I guess. But <laughs> but yeah, I think just having to go with uh, you know it's postseason. We keep talking about this. Postseason comes down to momentum, and it comes down to hot bats. The Braves have exactly that in their outfield. Pretty much all three guys have come up in big spots at some point this postseason. Um, I still have a lot of. I still think Tucker is one of the best. I think he's he's in the top probably like five best hitters that are still left in the postseason on these two teams. So I think he has to be you know considered really in high regard. Brantley is still their two hitter, so he's still um, highly productive, great contact hitter. Um, more Cormac probably being the weakest link of of the of the six players we're talking about. But I would lean Braves based on hot and momentum. But um, I think the Astros on the average day probably get a little bit more production from their guys just in terms of, you know, if you kind of disregard the uh, the great, I guess, success we saw from uh, from Rosario and Peterson in the last two series. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, again, same thing with Riley. They're hot. The outfield for the Atlanta Braves is doing extremely well right now. Um, they're, they're seeing beach balls up there at the plate. I mean, they are really seeing beach balls – coming at them. I can't really describe what I'm seeing right now from Rosario. Um, I mean, we, we don't see too many postseasons like this that Rosario's having. Uh, just insane. But yeah, I would give the edge to the Atlanta Braves in the outfield as well. I think Jock and Rosario, those two have been spectacular so far uh, this month in this postseason. Uh, Brantley and Tucker have also been very, very good. Brantley, I think, still has zero home runs but he still has an average above 300. And yeah. he, he, I think he's just literally just lacing singles. Yeah, he really has not been as much of a home run guy recently, especially in this postseason. But the contact has been very good. And, uh, yeah, he just consistently, he, he's good at getting on base. And he's just a, a, a good spot. He's a good, uh, there's good in that two spot for the, yeah. for the Astros. Yeah, yeah. And then, of course, Tucker right now, uh, four home runs in the postseason, 15 RBIs in the postseason, leads 
anyone, every player in this postseason so far with RBI. So wow. Tucker, of course, really carrying the load a lot for those Astros in that lineup right now. And of course, like you said, hitting in the seventh spot. I mean, it's just funny how he's hitting in the seventh spot and how much production he's he's doing. It's just, it is spectacular. Um, but then Travis, kind of not really not really attached to the outfield, but because they're going to be playing AL and NL rules, yeah. some yep. games there'll be DH, some games there won't. So just for like that last comp, comparing like a Solaire to a... Because I'm sure, I feel like Solaire is the obvious pick Easy for yeah. the games in Houston. Yep. And then the games in... Uh, Games in Atlanta, Travis. I actually do wonder what the game plan is going to be for the Astros with Jordan Alvarez because, as someone who's used the DH, you cannot leave him out of a game because of, of yeah. what he did in the championship series as the championship series MVP uh, for the Astros. Um, he obviously usually will play left, whereas that's where Brantley usually is at. And Brantley has been, you know, he's their, he's their, their two hole hitter. Are you really going to bench him? Probably not as well. So I'm really interested to see how they handle things. Uh, I don't know if Tucker can play center, but that's... If, I, I, if, I think he'll learn it. Yeah. If, if you want to punt on defense, you put Tucker in center, have Brantley maybe in right, you're done on left. It's not a great defensive outfield by any means, but um, you don't want to forfeit any of those bats from your team. So um, I'll just we'll just do kind of a quick comparison of Alvarez to Soler, and I would say huge advantage to Alvarez. Of course. Even though Soler... Um, in a platoon role, has been very good against lefties, but he's been mashing pretty much since they got him at the deadline. But I think just what Alvarez has done in the last couple of series, as well as what he's done in his, his, his whole career, we've never really seen him slow down. He's just been a hitting machine for power and for average and getting on base, does it all really. Um, one of the best hitters in baseball, honestly, as it stands. So I would have to give a huge uh, advantage to Alvarez in that ma- in that matchup. One hundred percent. And when we're when we're playing in AL ballpark, the DH will go to Al- Jordan Alvarez. He has been probably possibly if, if no Eddie Rosario, he is the best hitter in the playoffs right now um, from what he's been able to do. Uh, and of course, you're right. I think when it goes to Atlanta, you're going to have to play Jordan. You're going to have to play Tucker. And I don't think you're going to leave Brantley out. I think you're going to have to move either Tucker or Brantley to center field and kind of play it that way. You know, even looking at the Braves outfield. We're seeing Duvall play center field. He's playing good center field. You know, he's, he's made some very good plays, but still just making the routine play. I think Tucker could definitely be doing that in center field in Atlanta. So um, very interesting to see how that goes. I know you're done um, in 2019 was playing outfield when they were playing against the Nationals. Right. Um, played some left field. Um, and of course, had to just, sit, you know, place the situations in certain ways. But uh, and, of course, they had Springer playing center field, so that really wasn't much of an issue for right. center field right. um, as it was a corner outfitter because I think most corner outfitters can play left or right. I don't think that's really too much of a change. You know, you're playing the corner outfield spot, uh, but center field can get a little bit interesting because now you're looking at a bigger, you know, a, a more wide-open space. More um, responsibility, really. Exactly, exactly. You have to be the captain of that outfield pretty much. So um, really interesting to look at that. Uh, now we kind of move into the starting pitching role, Alex. And right now, I have not really heard anything if Lance McCullers is going to be A, on the playoff roster, or B, even going to be pitching in this postseason. So um, what I've heard, Travis, is that McCullers is being ruled out. Okay. Yeah, okay. so he's being ruled out. I don't think they've announced their rosters yet and whether or not he'll be on it. But I've heard a couple different uh, MLB you know, writers, reporters, have said that um, it's looking like he's going to be out. Okay. Um, 
I don't know if they leave him on the roster just for a miracle if he's back in like game seven. Game seven. Exactly. That'd be some crazy storyline. But I know I think that they want to use that roster spot smartly. I think they're going to leave him off. Mm-hmm. And that with you telling me that that's actually I mean that is that's going to impact the decision for it, sure. It, it is definitely a huge blow for the Astros, um, considering of what he did to that White Sox lineup in the first series. I mean, he he pretty was, much won you two games exactly with, with his, exactly. With his arm. In my opinion, him and Logan Webb for the Giants were the two just. Cy Young dominant aces of the first round. And it's funny that, you know, Logan Webb, of course, had to go home early. Lance McCullers got, got his team to the next round. And then, of course, pitching staff and hitters carried them through in the, in the uh, championship series. But looking at the starting pitchers right now, um, it's hard for me to go against the Atlanta Braves. They, in my opinion, have had the most consistent, the most, you know, on-time scheduled starting pitching staff in the, pl- in, in the playoffs. I mean, we look at the ALCS. We didn't know who was going to pitch for the Astros or the Red Sox on certain nights. I mean, game six, we were thinking, is Evaldi going to go game six or seven? Who they got? Who they got? Are they going to have to get size on short rest? Same with the Astros. We didn't know if it was going to be Urquidy, if it was going to be somewhere, you know, Framber going to come back, if is McCullers going to be ready. Yeah. Um, and then the Dodgers. You look at the Dodgers. Game one, they had a bullpen game. And then they go Scherzer game two, then Bueller, and then, of course, there's uh, an odd Urias kind of appearance in the exactly, middle. Exactly, exactly. We just didn't know what was expected from every single team. The Atlanta Braves have just been Morton, Freed, Anderson, and it's just been rolling along, and there have been no changes, no starting pitchers coming in. Um, well, I, for a guy like me, I like that because it's very clean. I like I liked having each pitcher know which game you're going and know that you're going to maybe pitch game one and then be ready for game six, something like that. But what do you expect? What do you see right now from the position edge starting pitchers right now? Yeah, so with no McCullers, I would have to be leaning uh, Braves just based on, like you said, the consistency. Um, the expectations are simply higher for those guys. But, um, yeah, like you said, Morton, Morton is truly – one of the best big game pitchers um, in the league right now. I think, if I'm not mistaken, I saw an MLB stats uh, post on Twitter, and they said that Charlie Morton has the best ERA in elimination games in the postseason amongst all active players. Interesting. Um, I, I, with a certain number of minimum innings, of course. I forget that number. But essentially, um, yeah, he's big time in these kind of big big moments. So um, he's going to be a, just a great pick for them as like their first game one guy and probably like a game five guy. We'll, we'll see what kind of how things end up for them. But um, there's some uncertainty on the back end of the rotation for the Astros. Um, Urquidy, Granke, who's going to get a start? Those both might end up kind of becoming bullpen games anyways, just based on um, if those guys get hit early. But what I will say, Travis, is I think a reason the Braves have been able to keep it so consistent is because of how hot their bullpen is. I know you're probably going to separate these in our, in, our, in our breakdown of these teams, Definitely. but even though they should be separate in our analysis, the way the bullpen has been is probably the reason for the consistency of starting pitching. Because imagine if the bullpen was a lot worse. Um, and, you know, what if they were just ice cold? Matzik was just, like, unusable. Then they would have to probably consider putting in a freed when they need a big lefty in a big moment. But they've not had to do that because their bullpen has been trustworthy the entirety of the postseason so far. Teams like the Astros are probably less confident in Urquidy and Granke. So they just go to the bullpen early. They go, Javier, give us 50 pitches, and he'll do it. So they almost have like these kind of more long-relief guys, starters kind of in the bullpen being kind of hybrid roles. 
Dodgers were doing that too because they didn't know what they could get from Urias. So they bring in, you know, someone else for three innings or have a bullpen game or, you know, whatever it is. Essentially, some teams have to get creative um, because of their limited resources. But the Braves have been hot and they've been healthy. So they've been, in terms of their pitching, at least um, consistent, like you said. So I would lean Braves for that reason. But I do think a big reason why we have seen that consistency is because the bullpen has been so good. And now that they're in the World Series, they're going to keep the same plan, I'm sure. It's not going to change. We're going to see a Morton into Freed into Anderson. I know they tried to start um, Yanoa in one of the games, and he was scratched, I think, for an injury. And if I'm not mistaken, I think they just jumped back into Morton, if I'm not mistaken. And was that in the league championship series? Yeah. Okay. Maybe it might have been. It might have been that. Or is it, are you talking about the the bullpen game where Jesse Chavez started? Or no? oh, it was that. That's mm-hmm. correct. Okay. Yeah. And so Drew Smiley. Yeah. Right. And Smiley gave them good innings. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which was another pleasant surprise for the, for the Braves, of course, in that game four. But um, but right. So just looking at that that consistency, I expect that to continue. So I would have to lean Braves in in that matchup. Okay. Perfect. And, and that's a good analysis too. You know, you don't really think about how much the bullpen impacts your starting pitchers. If you have a lockdown bullpen. You can literally tell your starting pitchers, hey, we need five innings from you, and that's all we need. If you can go five, I'll be the happiest manager in the world. You know, some teams, the manager's probably saying, can you give me seven and two-thirds? You know, can you give, right. me, can you give me a longer leash today? Um, our bullpen is not ready, is not prepared. So um, good, way to, good way to put that up. I know definitely looking at uh, Matzik, Mentor, Will Smith, you know, even Luke Jackson. The Dodgers series was a disaster before that lockdown I mean a great reliever in the bullpen I have confidence that he can definitely come back and rebound and have a good world series and he's another guy you have for your arm as well um and a couple other guys on the on the Braves you know bullpen and everything but um I'm definitely of course leaning Atlanta I think Morton Freed Anderson is a very very special squad um and even looking back into last year's 2020 ALCS Alex Charlie Morton starting against the Astros twice, went ten and two thirds innings in two starts, zero earned runs given up. Right. So he of course has a very good track record against the Houston Astros, um, and so I expect the same thing from him as well. Had one start in um, in 2019 against that 2019 deadly deadly Houston Astros lineup, and of course got the win. Had a 1.8. ERA in the ALDS that year too. So of course had a very strong start against the Astros in 19 and 20. Um, and of course the years prior, he was on the Astros in the playoffs. So uh, I expect Morton to pitch very well against his former team. And then of course I expect Freed and Anderson to pitch very well too. And then of course going to that bullpen, going to those guys, getting them their reps, getting them early. And what I like too is like, I, I really see, you know, Brian Snicker, the Braves manager, going to Matzik, going to Minter against righties. I think he's not he's not scared to really uh, you know go against the righty lefty matchup. Matzik has been extremely hot the last two weeks. He will go to him in his big moments when he needs him best. And if it's Altuve, Correa, and you know Bregman, I think he's going to go to him no matter what and say you're my guy. I I don't I don't really care about the stats. What they say, lefty righty, you have been crazy good the last you know two weeks. I'm going to you. Yeah, that's a good point. I honestly do think I saw some people talking about this on Twitter, which was kind of funny, and I really did agree with what I saw. In a way, Matzek really bailed out, I think, Snicker in that inning because Luke Jackson 100%, 100%. Luke Jackson really almost blew the game. And if you blow that game, you're going to game seven. That would have been an all-time meltdown yep. if Luke Jackson let those two extra runs get in. Um, but yeah, I do think um, 
you know, comparing the starting rotations, I think, you know, we made a fair comparison. But if looking at the bullpens, um, Matzik, obviously a guy you can trust against righties or lefties because he's just that hot. Mm-hmm. He's just been that good. Um, and sometimes, like we keep saying, it's about momentum. And you want to put your biggest guy in the biggest moment. Um, and lucky for Snicker that he did come through because even if he does a really good job and does two ground balls, that could end up being a tie ball game. And that would all go on Luke Jackson, who, you know, like you said, a not very good series at all for him. Honestly, he had a good ERA this year, but a lot of the advanced stats don't really like his year that much. So um, I honestly think they should try to maybe put him in the less high leverage moments or maybe earlier in relief and then leave those huge moments for the... It's kind of odd because you have three of your best relievers are all lefties. That's kind of the reality you have. Mm -hmm. You have to just be able to trust them in the big spots and hope for the best, I think. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. No, definitely, definitely. So um, seeing that, yeah, (laughs) starting pitching, I think, is definitely going to be going towards the Braves' favor. Um, Moving towards the bullpen, Alex, I... I wrote this down. I think it's a draw. I think mm-hmm. both bullpens are extremely deadly. Looking at Graveman, looking at Presley, looking at Stanek, even looking at Christian Javier, all those guys have had terrific uh, postseasons. All those guys have ERAs below two. They've been getting the job done. Then you, of course, look at the Braves. You look at Matzik, Minter, uh, you look at Will Smith. You look at, I mean, I know you even look at Luke Jackson, too, but, you know, having his bad stint with the Dodgers. Um, but also some of those other guys in the Braves bullpen. Uh, I think it's a draw. I think both teams have a very, very special bullpen so far. No one's really been, you know, they, they've been put up against the test. Um, I know the Astros have been put up against the test against two really good lineups, the Red Sox and the White Sox. Uh, and the Braves have been put up against the test against the, you know, probably the worst offense team in the, in the playoffs, the Brewers. But then, of course, you look at the Dodgers, one of the best offenses in the playoffs. Um, so they've really kind of had their matchups there, and yep. um, both team both teams have done a spectacular job. I really don't see um, too much of a favoritism or a you know uh, higher status for either of these bullpens. I think they go very hand in hand and are very equal. Um, it just really you know it's very interesting on how the manager is going to pull their strings. You know it's funny how you have Snicker and Dusty, two really old school managers. It's going to be interesting how they kind of go about things. But um, Anything on that with the bullpens? Yeah, so I act, I think I'd be leaning Astros. I, I definitely is very comparable. Okay. Um, yeah, what I will say is I just think that the Braves have a lot of trust in their three big lefties that we keep talking about, Matzik, Minter, and Will Smith. I think that they all um, have not only been really good this postseason, but they have overall pretty solid numbers. I think Presley is probably better than all three of them. I think Presley has had a great year, and he just kind of year in, year out, is a sneaky one of the best closers in baseball. So I'm really big on Presley being probably the best closer in this series. I think also there's probably better uh, multi-inning options if you're looking at the Astros because Christian Javier, we've seen him do big things in multiple innings against the Red Sox who have a really good lineup, like you said. We saw Granke pitch in relief against the White Sox. He let some runs score, but it was on these slow dribblers and bad calls by the ump. I just know that, you know, in the right situations, Granky, I do feel like I trust him, I guess for an inning or two in relief if he gets the opportunity. Um, and then, like you said, Graveman is just another guy who um, they got for big moments. For They got they got him at the trade line for this kind of series, for these kind of series they've had. And I do trust him just as much, if not more than a guy like Minter or definitely more than like a Luke Jackson. So I would be slightly leaning Astros, but I do acknowledge that um, it's going to come down to situation stuff. Like you mentioned, I'm glad you mentioned the managers because the way the managers use the bullpen is also very important. Um, the right matchups are going to be very key um, with these two kind of strong batting orders we're gonna they're going to be going up against. So um, 
it will likely come down to Dusty Baker and Snicker as, you know, which of these guys is going to use these tools um, in the best way. Um, I don't know if you have this written down, but if you were going to do a managerial comparison, I would think I would lean Dusty Baker. I think Snicker, I read so much great stuff about Snicker today on Twitter, actually. I didn't know that, have you have you heard that he um, essentially has been in the Braves organization since like the 80s? Yeah, and I he was, about that, yeah. He was mm-hmm. coaching in their minor league system this entire time. And when the call came for him to have a chance to coach the big yep. league team, they're a playoff team, of course, and he's just been doing uh, you know a great job. But it's really crazy. I think I saw some just just there's th- throwing out some crazy names. He coached like these pl- modern players like dads in the minor leagues. Yeah. It's just so funny. <laughs> yeah. Like, back in the eighties. But yeah. um yeah, essentially, um, you know, what a great story for him. But I would lean Dusty Baker as situationally, I trust him a little bit more. I, I liked when he I think he does a lot of good uh decisions with with the batting order and like platooning. I think that overall the Astros are just really well run. Um, I never can really criticize any decisions they make from a coaching standpoint. Whereas the Braves, sometimes um, some of the bullpen stuff, might, I might question it a bit, especially just like like I keep saying, that Luke Jackson meltdown, it almost cost them the series. It would have been mm-hmm. so devastating, and people would be pointing fingers at Luke Jackson as well as probably the, the decision to put him in. But um, Minter, or sorry, uh, Matzik did come in and, I guess, steal the show. So it worked out for the Braves, of course. But... I would probably be leaning Dusty Baker in like a managerial comparison, but how do you see that, Travis? Yeah, interesting. I I, I actually will be going towards Snicker. Um, I I mean Dusty Dusty is I mean he's an all time great. I know people have been saying a lot. He is a Hall of Fame you know manager, and rightfully so. I mean the success and the track record on his resume is unbelievable with all the division series um, championships with all these different teams, and of course his second trip back to the World Series uh, for him on his on his record as well. I just, you know, I, I've seen Snicker. I've seen him in, you know, it's funny. I think he got hired the same year as uh, Mike Schilt did for the uh, St. Louis Cardinals. Unfortunately, Schilt, of course, just got booted a couple of days ago. Um, but both guys were, it was a really good story on both. Schilt was a guy that never made it to the big leagues. And Brian Snicker was a guy who literally had spent, you know, since the 80s in the in the Braves organization. Two guys, really unique hires because Schilt has never been a big league manager or a big league player. That's never been done before. Never had a manager in the game that has never at least reached a big league level, and he was the first one. And then Schilt, or I'm sorry, then Snicker. Um, I mean, just kind of an organization guy. I mean, guy that Lily has been seeing Braves hitters, pitchers, players come through the organization since the 80s. Pretty much coached that 90s dynasty run. Chipper Jones going through him. Um, some of these other big names going through him. Andrew Jones going through him. And then, of course, leading up to this team now, he's seen Freddie Freeman. He's seen all these guys, Albies. Um, Austin Riley and so um, you know the last two years getting to game you know getting to game six of the NLCS of course I know we went to game seven last year and lost but getting to really you know the almost the ending point of the National League Championship Series he's on a very good roll right now Um, I know in 2019 he actually made it to game five of the um, NLDS and I know he lost it to the Cardinals I think it was like an 11 run first inning for the Cardinals that year Uh, just kind of a you scratch Vol- your head and just say Vol- Volta Nevitz's career was ended that day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you and you kind of scratch your head and you say, What what happened? I mean, what is going on there? But um I like Snicker. I really like what he's done. I think Dusty also at times might have some of the, one of the easiest job, you know, in, in all of managers in baseball, you know, especially when you look at game in the ALDS. McCullers was going smooth, the hitters were just hitting baseballs yeah. like they do every day fair point dusty kind of just sit back and just watch and just enjoy but yeah both you know i mean they're, they're both in the world series so they're both doing unique and crazy things to get their teams here 
Dusty, of course, having the longer track record of having success, um, I think really, of course, gives him a big boost as well too. But right now for me, I have to go Snicker just from his track record, track record the last couple seasons, what he's been able to do, what he's been able to overcome with this team. Also, I will say too, if we were to look at front office comparisons, I gotta go with the Atlanta Braves. What they did, what their GM did, I think it was uh, Annapolis, or I forgot the GM. I don't know how to say his name. That's his, right. first, his, first name, his first name is Alex. That's Alex, all, that's okay. all I know. <laughs> and so what he was able to do during the trade deadline and what the Braves have been able to overcome, kind of being consistent with what Snickers been able to do this season, just an impressive job. Losing Acuna, being at the, at the All-Star break, nobody, absolutely nobody thought this team was going to be even worthy of being 500 and they were 88 wins they won the division and now they're here you know going up against the Astros in the World Series kind of a crazy organizational win from this you know this team the Atlanta Braves yeah uh front office comparison obviously the front office not doing much right now because (laughs) we're in the World Series but if we had to just compare them I I would say that the Braves have been super impressive but I would also add that the Astros almost like the manager kind of stuff is it's been made easy for them they had really no big gaps on their team that had to be filled. Um, they brought in some relievers just just to have those options. Went and got Graveman, Yimmy Garcia. Mm-hmm, just mm-hmm. added some guys that are going to give us just another weapon for the postseason. Just another, uh, a, I guess, yeah, another tool in the toolbox. So um, the Astros didn't have that much to, uh, not much on their checklist, I guess, at the deadline. Whereas the Braves had a lot to do. And obviously it worked out in a huge way, positively for Atlanta. So yeah, yeah. Um, it's fair to give them the edge, but at this point, obviously, it's going to come down to the players and the coaches, and it's going to be an exciting World Series. Exactly, exactly. A well-oiled machine for this Houston Astros ball club for the past you know, half a decade. So, um, Alex, kind of nearing the end of this podcast, this episode, uh, kind of the big question, you know, who do you got and in how many games? Yeah, um, so every single series so far, I've counted out the Atlanta Braves. Um, I picked the Brewers to beat them, and then I picked the Dodgers to beat them. Um, I didn't really pick the Dodgers. I picked Giants slash Dodgers. Like, whichever team was going to win that game five, I said they would go on to beat the Braves because I usually just go with the better team, and I think the better team usually wins the series. And I am not changing up my philosophy on that yet. I still usually go with the pick of I think the better team probably wins. And since the Astros are also hot offensively, I'm going to ride with the Astros beating the Braves because I just think that they are the better team on paper um, and they're also playing hot and you know unlike the Dodgers they're not they don't seem very worn out so if all of a sudden the Astros do seem like they're breaking down like the Dodgers were then you know the Braves are probably going to steal it from me and I'll be wrong about them a third time in a row but I'm leading Astros and picking a game number is always you know tricky um, it feels like a kind of a guess but mm-hmm. I, I feel uh, like I feel like six is a very comfortable number. Yeah, I think pe- people usually just say six. <laughs> it's just a classic like cop you can get out. Two like, wins. <laughs> it's, it's a classic cop out of like, oh, it's not going to be dominant, but it's not going to be that close. I'm just going to say six. But I do think the Astros are quite a step better. It's hard for me to count out guys like Freeman, Rosario from having a big moment. Um, I'll go ahead and I'll I'll, hmm, I'll go ahead and predict Astros in five, and that may seem short. Uh, I could also see six. Six it also feels better because they could be back at home in yeah. game six. Mm-hmm. But um, I just think the Astros are a significant step above the Braves in terms of these teams on paper. The Braves are playing really great, obviously, but a couple cold games, and I think they could be see it slip away from them very quickly. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and say I'll lock it in, I guess, Astros in five. 
the Braves, I don't want them to think I'm sleeping on them because they're <laughs> they've been super hot. But I just think that how much longer can this last? Travis, almost similar thoughts to the way I saw the Red Sox. Kike Hernandez and Kyle Schwarber were just unreal on another planet. J.D. Martinez was hitting like a 1,200 OPS in the first half of the CS. But at some point, the bats have to cool off a bit. Is it the Braves' time? I'm going to say they might slip up a little bit. And the Astros, I think, are just built to win this thing. I picked them at the beginning. I'm picking them at the end. I think they're the best team that you know in this series. So I'll go, I'll go Astros in five. Yeah, and I mean, same thing with me. Um, I actually, you know, starting off with my postseason bracket, I picked, you know, Astros to win the World Series this year. Um, we had that in common, yeah. We had that in common. But I'm getting some 2019 vibes <laughs> right yeah. now from the NL East and the Atlanta Braves. Um, I don't know. I, I, I like how the hot team's rolling. Um, you know, there have been times where the hot team rolls in the World Series and then they magically just, the magic just ends and, and, and the team that's better wins it. I still am going to be uh, riding with the Atlanta Braves in this series. Um, you know, I, I, it's funny how yeah, I, I even counted them out in the NLDS and I counted them out in the NLCS if they played the Dodgers. I thought the Dodgers would just clean them up easily. Wrong on both of those. So I'm going to change my pick and I'm going to go Atlanta Braves. Um, one thing I will say, um, a reason why, you know, one little funny thing I thought, you know, I'll go with Atlanta Braves. Uh, you know, last time Dusty Baker was in the World Series, he played a team that had an A on their cap. Ended up taking the L in that series. Because Travis wants to ride the world that the Angels won the World Series in 2002. Hey, I'm just I'm just stating facts, you know. So Dusty Baker, uh, he's not going to like teams with A's on their hats. So I am taking Braves, and I'm taking Braves in five. Okay, so we have I the think, opposite thing going. I, exactly. I was thinking about that too, and I was like, you know what? I think the Braves will get it done at home in five. I think their pitching staff and their bullpen will get things through. Their offense right now, I am very confident in what they can do in their offense. So... I like the Atlanta Braves right now. I, I'm not saying the Astros are are a, a crappy team. They're they're a very good team, but I like the Astros in five right now. I think looking at all the position edges and everything about the teams, I think Atlanta just is very favorable in all of those. I know you can't really win a game on paper because, hey, the Dodgers would have been world champs this year because on paper they're the best team. Um, but I just like the way this Braves team is playing. I like the magic that they have going. Um I have the Atlanta Braves in five for this series. So uh, it'll be an interesting, you know, watching these with you and uh, it's, seeing it's, how your picks go. I, 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 it's I'm, pretty surprising you think the Astros are only going to win one after, you know, they've been hot and you've been picking them pretty much every series they've been in. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So you think you think the Astros run cold or you think that they score runs and they're just not going to be enough or what do you think is going to happen? Like, I, think, I think they finally will be able to face a pitching staff that, in my opinion, has it together right now. I, I, I think the, the White Sox had good pitchers and they had big names. I just think they, they didn't have it together at that part of the season. I think the Red Sox were just scrambling for different guys. I mean, Evaldi was 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 a great pitcher, had some pretty eh moments, but still had a really good uh, you know series. I just don't think they had the consistency of pitchers. I think Atlanta just has their three-headed monster that I'm very comfortable with. Um, Morton, of course, looking back at his track record against the Astros, very, very good. Freed, of course, having just one hiccup, but so far this postseason has been dominant. And, of course, Ian Anderson being dominant as well. I don't know. I just see Braves getting an easy kind of smooth transition. And then, of course, game four, we'll see what happens there. If they go, they do some sort of a bullpen game, it could be the same thing for the Astros. Maybe they go, uh, you know, Granky or something like that. But um, I see Braves in five. I could be crazy, but I see Braves no, in five. No, yeah. It's, it, I mean, you 
you can't be crazy because both of these teams made it this far. <laughs> but both these teams made it to the World Series, so any pick is fair. Um, and I kind of go back on my, you know, initial, uh, you know, bracket pick, man. If I would have picked the Braves to, you know, beat the Brewers, maybe I would have had some sort of alignment. That no, that doesn't that. make but, any sense. You know, no one saw the Braves coming this far. 88 wins. Um, of it, it, it is the same to 2019. You mentioned the Nationals run in 2019. It is the same as that in that regard where nobody picked the Nationals to make the World Series in 19. Same way no one picked the Braves to make the World Series this year. Um, unless you're maybe just a diehard Atlanta fan, mm-hmm. had mm-hmm. your fingers crossed. But yeah, essentially, it is another example of probably the juggernaut of the American League against the, you know, unexpected, just hot team of the National League. Um, yeah, like we keep saying, it's going to come down to who run. It, we are either these teams going to run out of steam at the right time. I personally think that the Braves, you know, it's only, we saw the Cardinals. They were running on some crazy magic, mm-hmm. had mm-hmm. a crazy run. It ran out against the Dodgers. We saw, you know, the Red Sox on some crazy magic. It ran out versus the Astros. I just think sometimes the magical run, it can win it for you. Like the Nationals, they can win it for you. But I just think most of the time, I'm going to ride with the, with the stronger team. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm excited for... I feel like this is the first big series where we really had a strong disagreement. Mm-hmm. So, I'm ex- it's another thing I'm we excited. can... I'm excited, I know. I'm happy we, to pick the Astros. Another thing we can talk about as the season kind of progresses and we can recap for listeners on our next episode but yeah um you are very high on max freed and ian anderson i think they're both really good pitchers but you use that word dominant i just don't know ian anderson's <laughs> ian anderson's you know four innings pitched the other night i don't know if that's necessarily dominant hey, they could have used them longer i think you would have we would have done a, a great job you probably would have still only allowed one or two runs in you know seven eight innings so yeah well so let's just see how he fares against the astros lineup i'm excited um, uh, you know, one thing I will say, the Astros, this is going to be the best rotation they're going to be facing, of course, and the Braves, this is going to be the best lineup they're going to be facing. So at least it's going to be a challenge for both sides that they have really never seen before. Um, I mean, it, it, it's going to be it's going to be fun to see that. So and, and, and there's this narrative, Travis, that you know comes up a lot where people say pitching wins championships, right? I'm a huge believer in that. Yeah. Yeah, and the Astros have proven this whole postseason that our bats are going to win us this ring. So that's that's been their mindset. And, why, and let's see if it continues. That's right. That's right. And, and it's funny because, um, you know, we talk about riding the kind of the the, the hot team. and it, The two hot teams going, you know, going back, you know, the past, I don't know, seven, eight years, I look at always that 2014 Kansas City Royals team. They were hot. No one expected them to be even remotely, you know, good enough to win yeah. the wild card and, of course, the division series. And then you look at the 2016 um, Cleveland Indians. Cleveland Indians, of course, rolling through, uh, rolling through, you know, the Red Sox, and then of course rolling through the Blue Jays, and of course being stopped by the uh, Chicago Cubs I, in seven. I, I really like both those examples because both those teams lost the World Series. Exactly, which and I know I, which and, is what I'm saying, and, and I'm pointing that out. But I just think that this Braves team is is different, and I'm ready to prove it uh, come next podcast. Because uh, cool, yeah, I think the Braves are. Uh, I think the Braves are kind of a different animal. So, so yeah, Charles, um, that pretty much wraps up our thoughts on this upcoming World Series. Uh, I know we're both super pumped for it. Uh, the next episode, I'm not exactly sure when that'll be because if it's seeming like it's going to be like a 2-2 kind of matchup, maybe we do a little like, you know, there's three games left kind of podcast. And then, uh, you know, maybe if it's looking like a blowout, we'll just wait for it to be over. And uh, hey, we're going and, and, and the, the winner will just be gloating the whole time. So. We'll do a, uh, yeah, yeah. By the looks of it, both of us having this ending five, it'll be ending on Halloween night. So uh, that is when game five we played. So, uh, so yeah, we'll, we'll be back for you guys in probably a week here, and we'll definitely uh, November. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, yeah, I guess so. I guess so. Yeah. Um, 
unless there's a quick sweep, you know, who knows? Who knows? But but yeah, essentially that wraps up our whole recap of the championship series and our preview of the World Series. Um, We'll be back to you guys next week with you know our thoughts on whatever's happened in the World Series so far, if it's over yet, and uh, we'll get all the info info for you guys next week. So um, thanks for listening. If you made it this far, Um, appreciate all the support, and we'll catch you guys uh, with a World Series update next week. Presented by Tool Tools Podcast. <laughs>